don't know if you were watching or not, Carmen was the grocery store out of peanut butter as well, because you were kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> but I, I actually learned something. You're supposed to use a different utensil for the jelly. Ha, genius. I'm sure my wife will be very happy that you taught that lesson this morning. Well, thank you for being here today. Boy, we've had quite a year, haven't we? We've had active shooters. We've had uh, trouble in our denomination. And now we have the coronavirus, right? And so the enemy is at work. And the biggest effect of all of those things has been the fear, right? Have you been to the grocery store recently? Couldn't help but notice the, uh, all of the toilet paper jokes on Facebook. So I wanted to share a couple of my favorite with you. Have you seen that one? And then, of course, now just to be clear, our family, we actually were running out of toilet paper yesterday. And so I was getting, I got into fear a little bit myself. I was starting to take short breaths, <laughs> but went to Claiborne's and they did still have toilet paper. So please don't steal ours here at the church. You can go to Claiborne's. I don't know, probably United and still find toilet paper. And so we're going to need that in the next coming, in the coming months. So uh, interesting times we're in. I had, you know, I'm the type of person that underreacts to things. Uh, and so I watch all the news, and I'm like, and I just go back to what I'm doing. Uh, but most of the uh, my colleagues who are pastoring larger churches and other places, they're all making Facebook posts about use your best judgment, right? Because life has gotten canceled, hasn't it? Life has been canceled over the coronavirus, and... So everybody was posts about, you know, we're going to continue to have church. You use your best judgment. So I made a similar post just because uh, I had some questions coming at me. Uh, but just to be clear, we are going to continue regular church programming. If it's just me and my family here, we're going to continue regular church programming. And so just keep that on record for the future. Now we have the president or their governor comes out and says there's some kind of a quarantine or something, of course, we'll follow that. But unless something like that happens, we're going to be here. And we're also going to recognize that there may be people who have legitimate reasons to stay at home. Okay? And so we're not judging anybody. That might be the right decision to make. Uh, and so we don't, wanna, we don't want to... Uh, Stop worshiping because uh, who knows whether or not this is going to be a thing. Nobody really knows yet, do they? And so we're not going to make any judgments on the people who show up. We're not going to make any judgments on the people who don't show up. But we're going to continue to worship unless the president or the governor tells us not to. And um, so that being said, <clears throat> we have... Life that has been canceled, but the mission of God has not been canceled. 
Amen? That's what we call a transition <laughs> to the sermon. The mission of God has not been canceled. And so it's like the enemy is making chess moves out there. And it's going to be interesting to see what kind of ripple effects there are to things like the economic ripple effects. A lot of times when people get out of the habit of attending church, they continue in that habit. So the enemy has many different strategies going on, and we're all talking about what the enemy is doing. Here's what I would encourage you to do. We're still on mission, church. God isn't going anywhere. He isn't stopping anything. Let's hide and watch what God's counter move is. Because the last I checked, he's the best chess player at the table. And so let's watch, hide and watch the counter move, and let's just pray and believe. And here's what I would challenge you to do. Pray and believe God is going to use this to surprise people by doing something good. That's what he did with the cross, isn't it? It's exactly what he did with the cross. God is a master of taking what the enemy has planned and turning it against him. And so let's just trust God is going to do something like that with this as well. Uh, I'm going to be talking about mission this morning. We've got, we've got some missionaries that Carmen had mentioned, and they've sent us a video. And so let's watch a video presentation about what they're doing in South Africa.
just take a moment and pray for Nathan and Kimberly and the work that they're doing in South Africa. Father, we lift them up to you. Nathan and Kimberly, thank you that your hand is upon them. Thank you for providing for them. Father, we pray that the gospel would both spread and grow as it is already in both South Africa and in Africa. And we just pray your blessing over their work and ask you to increase, increase both the spread and the growth of the gospel in their ministry. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, that is the thing about the gospel, the mission of God. It's global. We talked about that last week, how important the global mission of the church is, but it's also local, isn't it? The mission of God is in South Africa. It's right here in La Mesa, Texas. It is both global and local. And in a similar way, the mission of God is about spreading the message where it doesn't exist, right? That's a, a responsibility that all of us share, not just our missionaries that we support. All of us share in a responsibility to spread the gospel and grow the gospel. Do you get the difference between those two things? Spreading the gospel wider where it doesn't exist and then growing the gospel bigger and deeper where it already exists. Both of those things are involved in the mission of God. Both of those things are equally important. And we're going to talk about the, uh, the mission of the growth of the message today. That's what we're going to be focused on. We're all responsible for spreading the gospel and for growing the gospel in our spheres of influence. It's been my experience that many times when you talk about like topics like missions and evangelism, people are terrified. That might be another reason where our attendance is low today. People are usually really terrified about the challenge that is real and that exists for everyone to spread the message of Jesus Christ. And so many times people just don't know how to do it. And they feel like they need special training to learn how to engage in evangelism. You know, like they need to learn special arguments before they try and evangelize. And really, church, none of that, none of that, is necessarily involved for the average person, you or me. There are people who are called to do that and learn those things and teach them, but for the average person, that's really not what it's about at all. And so I want to read to you from Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to start in verse 1. I'm going to read a few verses. So I would encourage you to pull out a Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 4, whether that's your phone, whether that's a pew Bible, and read along with me. I'm going to start in verse 1. Because I really want to look at these verses and just kind of let them speak to us this morning. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you, and here's point number one, here's instruction number one for evangelism, church. Live a life worthy of the calling you've received. You might have the fanciest arguments in the world. You might be a brilliant communicator. 
But if you're not doing that, is your message going to be effective? And at the, at the same time, if you're doing that, if you're not the slickest communicator, if you butcher the English language, if you're not that good at speaking to people, but if you're doing that, you're going to make an impact on people's lives, aren't you? Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, people will typically take a verse like that and they'll do two things with it. They'll either, there's two sides of the ditch, they'll either ignore it and they'll justify it in their mind by saying, well, nobody can do that. And so they don't even try. There's option number one. And there's option number two. People will continue to live with a guilt complex, constantly beating themselves up, thinking they're not doing enough. Which one of those ditches do you tend to get in? I want to think about that this morning. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. What is the calling that you have received? I can tell you right now, this chapter ends with the, the message referring to God as the one God and Father of all, down there in verse 6. So here's what I can guarantee. Every one of us is called to be a child of that God and Father. Amen? That is your primary calling. That's God's number one heart for you and me. It's his number one mission is to build a family and to include you in it. Now, if I think about that, how would a father, how would we live a life worthy of God the Father? And as I think about that, I think about my own self as a father. What do I want and expect for my kids? You know, a lot of people out there in the world want their kids to just skyrocket into success, right? They want them to be outstanding athletes, straight-A students. They want them to launch into life and have high-status positions. You know, that's what most parents kind of want and aspire to for their kids. But if I really dig in, I think, what do I really want for my kids? What do I really want? You know, I have three rules in my household. Three simple rules. I'm not recommending these for you. I'm just saying these are my rules, okay? Three simple rules in my household. Number one, it's actually three rules in one. No lying, no stealing, no cheating. That's basically our rules right there. Rule number two. Now, again, these are my rules, not necessarily your rules. I'm not recommending them for your kids. But for my kids, rule number two is no hitting in the face or the genitals. Now, again... Those rules might not work for other parents, but for my kids, those rules work. And then rule number three, this probably trumps all the others, do what you're told when you're told. Now, I'm not a very bossy person, and so that rule works for me. Other people have a problem with liking to tell other people what to do a little too much. Are you with me? So that rule works for me. Other people like to tell other people what to do a little too much, and so maybe that rule might not work for you uh, because your kids just might grow up to be really angry at you. 
that rule works for me. Three simple rules. And you want to know what I really want for my kids? And I try and communicate this on a regular basis. What I really want for my kids, and if you think about it, it's probably really what you want for your kids as well. I want them to find something in life that they love to do and that makes a good contribution to the world, and I want them to do that. I want them to learn to love other people well and be loyal to them. I want them, again, I want, to, I want to really parse this. It's not so much that I want my kids to want me to be proud of them. You never grow out of that, do you? You never grow out of wanting your parents to be proud of you. And, and, but what I want to do is I want to have my, help my kids to kind of get over that. Say, no, no. You don't need to worry about whether or not dad's proud of you. I'm already proud of you. Here's what you need to work on. You need to work on learning to find out whether or not you're proud of yourself. That's such an important transition. That's such an important transition. To transition from being a person who's constantly trying to please other people to becoming a person that on the inside, I'm proud and happy with who I am and what I'm doing. Do you know if you get that right, things are probably going to go pretty well for you? I don't care whether my kids are awesome athletes or not. I really don't. I don't care whether they're straight-A students or not. Here's what I care about. Are you becoming a person that's happy with who you are? Because if you're happy with who you are, love your neighbor as yourself. If you're happy with who you are, more than likely, other people are going to want to be around you. And it's that sense of trust and belonging and wholeness that draws people into your message. That is your message. That is your message. That sense of wholeness and belonging and peace with who I am and where I'm at and what I'm doing that creates a tent under which other people can live and be happy and look forward to what the rest of life has to offer. Listen, church, that is what paints a picture for the world that they want to be included in. Are you getting this? I want to read through just kind of the message here of Ephesians. <clears throat> just the, the first 15 verses or so. Live a life worthy of the calling you have, have received. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to be anybody. God's not calling you to make any special plays. The mission of God is going to go on and be successful with or without you. Being faithful, being consistent, learning to be happy and enjoy who I am, where I'm at, what I'm doing. That's the most powerful witness any of us can cultivate. Verse number two. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Now, why do you have to bear with other people? 
because they're getting on your nerves, right? Because they don't completely agree with you, right? And of course, you're right, and they're wrong, right? Bear with one another in love. In other words, don't get easily irritated. Don't get condescending. Don't get judgmental. That's, a, that's the opposite of a good witness, isn't it? Verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. What is our unity centered around? Here it is right here in verse number four. Here's what defines our unity. There is one body, the church. There's many churches in Lamisa, but there's one church, right? There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope. When you were called one Lord, there's only one person through whom God has revealed himself. It's Jesus Christ. One faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. This is what defines our unity. It's belonging to that man, identifying with that man and those who identify with that man with us. That's what our unity is around. We have to bear with each other in love on issues outside of that. Are you with me? We don't have to completely 100% agree on things outside of that. But then look at what it says. Verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ has apportioned it. Everyone has been given something to make a positive contribution to the world. Each one of us, the grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And let's skip down to verse 11 because this part's kind of weird. I would be happy to preach on this some other time or maybe teach on it Wednesday nights. Let's skip down to verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers different gifts and different roles. Verse 12, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. And so we have unity through our identification with Jesus Christ belonging to the family of God, and we're trying to reach unity by getting all, all of those peripheral matters, getting in agreement on those peripheral matters. There's the unity that we've been given in Jesus. There's the unity we're working on outside of that. Until we all, everybody's working on it, reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So there's the mission of spreading the gospel and there's the mission of growing the gospel and that's what that looks like. God is organizing the church. Every person's been given a gift. Every person's been called to a role. And we are working on developing that and working it out together. And it is a process. That's the mission of growing the gospel. God is growing the gospel in you. He's growing the gospel through you. 
and he's doing it with us and through us as a church. That is a big part of the mission. It is equally important as what is happening in places like South Africa, which is really cool and good, and we should celebrate and continue to support. But what God is doing right here is equally important until we all, everyone's included, reach the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Church, we are on a mission. We're on a mission together. And that's the goal. And quite frankly, it's just a lot more simple than what many of us have it built up to be in our minds. Being that type of person, being open and sharing that with the world around us, and guess what? You don't have to be a master evangelist. People are going to start asking you leading questions. They'll open the doors to sharing the love of God with them and eventually maybe getting to pray with them. Are you afraid to do that, or are you willing to do that? Are you willing to pray with people? Are you willing to initiate that? That's the most powerful thing you can do, not preach to them, but say, hey, can I pray, pray for you? Would you mind if I prayed for you? You know? Not say, oh, well, I'll pray for you later, okay? I know that's kind of the safe, that's the safe escape hatch. No, can I pray with you right now, right here, right now? That's a powerful thing. If somebody's willing to trust you, do that with them, that will go leaps and bounds as far as advancing the ball as to the mission spreading to them and then eventually growing in them. And so let me just close with that. We're at our, our quitting point. The radio is going to turn me off here in a couple of minutes. And so let's just close by praying together. I'd like to invite the worship team to come up. I'd like to thank those who have joined us. We are going to be we're going to be streaming our services live on Facebook and our website for the coming months. I don't plan on doing that permanently because it gives people an excuse to stay at home. So we won't be doing that permanently, but as long as this thing is going on, we're going to uh, try and keep people as included as we can who feel like they need to stay at home. So uh, let me just pray. I'm going to pray over those who might be joining us on the radio or on Facebook or on our website. And we're just praying together because praying is powerful. It is the most important thing we can do to advance the mission of God, church. Whether it's spreading the gospel or growing the gospel, prayer is our number one tool. And so, Father, thank you for every prayer that's been prayed here this morning. Every one of them is powerful. And Father, I just want to take time to pray. I pray that you would take all of these things that are, that are being unleashed on us and the primary motive is to create fear, whether or not the real impact is that big or not, the fear can create the most damage. And so Father, we just pray that you would remind us that you've not given us a spirit of fear, but of peace, love, and a sound mind. That would be a witness that people see in the people who identify with the church. 
Father, we want to pray that you would take these, all of these controversies and upheavals and you would do something to glorify yourself, we pray. You would do something to strengthen your church. You would do something to make sure that uh, people's jobs aren't lost, that businesses continue to prosper. We pray for, uh, we, we particularly pray over La Mesa and Dawson County that somehow you would use this to bring prosperity to us, to increase our prosperity and not diminish it. Our trust is in you. We have way more confidence in you than the coronavirus. Confidence is in you. So, Father, thank you for moving and working in special ways to strengthen churches in Dawson County and La Mesa, not just this church, but other churches. Protect them from the fear that might be spreading in their congregations. Use this to strengthen the churches of La Mesa and Dawson County. The mission of God right here. Use it to strengthen it, we pray, God. Prayer is our most powerful weapon. So, Father, regardless of what the enemy is trying to do, our confidence is in you. Our confidence is in the tool you've given us, prayer. Nothing's going to stop your mission. Nothing's going to slow it down. In fact, we're believing that it increases in this season. So, Father, we thank you for that. We know that you hear us, and we know that in some way you're responding. We thank you for that in Jesus' name.